Hey everyone, my name is Ben Gramico. I'm from InterNACHI. That's the International Association of Certified Home Inspectors, world's largest organization of residential and commercial property inspectors. And this is an InterNACHI webinar. Uh, we do webinars um, just about every week. They're free, online, live, interactive. Um, and sometimes uh, I'll do a, a class and sometimes we'll have instructors from another state doing a class. And some of them are really good with special guests. And I've got a special guest for you. His name is Dave, Dave Krause from Influential Drones. And Dave is gonna to talk to us about, obviously, drones, but the title is Commercial UAS Flight Ops, Understanding Airspace and Privacy. And today we're gonna to understand airspace, night operations, flying over people and privacy issues. So we're gonna go over some best practices to avoid problems and keep you safe and legal. We're gonna go over airspace as well as programs to help you understand the airspace that you're in. And we'll also talk about pre-planning your flight, risk management, and ways to respond and comply with private citizen requests or the law. So Dave, I wanna thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you're very busy. You're working for the government and cities. So uh, I really appreciate, appreciate the time. And uh, I know we're gonna learn a lot in this webinar. So how are you doing? Where are you from right now? Right now I'm sitting in my office in Philadelphia. Nice, nice. And uh, tell us about Philadelphia. I hear um, you work with Philadelphia. As a yeah, there's, there's there's a lot of uh, projects I'm I'm working on with the city yeah. right now, um, on on a security standpoint. And you're also um, a course manager. Yes, the the FAA is um, they have an interest in trying to educate UAS operators. So as a safety team uh, representative, which is a volunteer position, I'm going to help them out in a course manager capacity. Awesome. And you've been with Internet. You're doing some fun stuff, some videos, um, some training, some content. We really appreciate that because home inspectors, you know, they uh, they have to inspect the roof. That's one of the systems that they have to inspect. And if they can get up there with a ladder, great. If not, it'd be really nice to inspect the roof system and the exterior and the property surrounding it with a drone. But you just can't buy a drone off of Amazon and start flying, right? So you need to be, well, you're going to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we touched upon some of that in, in the video that we did. Um, I guess it was almost two years ago where when I came <laughs> up here and saw you. And yep. uh, I was looking at it this morning and there's got uh, close to about 40,000 views, which is pretty exciting that we, we, we had such a, a great reach with you guys. Uh, I mean, anybody can go out and buy a drone. It's just that, you know, when you're using it for work, that's considered commercial purposes. Yep. So the FAA wants you to obtain a Part 107 certificate. And that's going to help you um, basically receive money for the work that you do and use the drone as a tool to make the job um, better and safer. That's right. And with any tool, especially with high-end technology tool, you got to be trained and certified in it. You got to know what you're doing with it. So I really appreciate you doing this webinar. What are we going to talk about today? So uh, we're pretty much going to kick off when talking about some airspace and, and privacy. Um, I didn't add a slide in about flying over people, but interestingly, the upcoming FAA symposium, um, it hasn't been announced yet, but I'm going to be the speaker on that panel about nice. flying over people. 
So I'll be able to cover some of that topic in, in, in this presentation. And then night operations, that's, that's an easy thing to cover. Yeah. Um, but generally, a, a lot of your members are probably not going to need to fly at night when they're doing inspection unless they're doing thermal imagery work. And, you know, they're trying to, you know, um, have an environment where where the heat signature is going to make a, a, a true difference. So you can't do that during um, prime times in the middle of the day and whatnot under direct sunlight. Yep. Well, why don't you share your screen and I'll tell folks uh, how to ask questions. So Dave's right. going to do a presentation here. He's going to get his slides up. And then um, if you wanted to ask a question during the live webinar, feel free. Um, and we'll take the questions at the end. We'll go for like 45 minutes, 50 minutes, an hour or so, and um, we'll attend to all of your questions that we can. So please use the Q&A feature to ask questions. Um, you can even upvote questions that you really like. You can also use the chat feature, but it's a little difficult. Maybe we'll share some links using the chat feature. So um, there you go. So Dave, you're, you're on. Awesome. Well, it's nice to see everybody or, or virtually um, have your ear. Thank you for that. Uh, it's, it's, it's a privilege to work with InterNACHI again after two years of you know, an absence as an, and us all sticking at home. Today, I'm going to talk about uh, commercial flight operations and understanding airspace and privacy. But first, I wanted to give you a little bit of introduction about myself. Um, I'm the co-owner of a company called Influential Drones. We were founded in 2017 and we operate out of an airport. Uh, the majority of our work that we do is aerial services, similar to what you guys are trying to get into. We also provide hands-on training, which is in the manned and unmanned world. We work, we provide equipment sales. And interestingly enough, we work with well over a hundred different manufacturers all across the industry. So we learn a lot about what's out of the market and where the industry is going. Right now, we're the only company in the state of New Jersey that has a Part 137 agricultural operating certificate, which basically means that we operate at a level above 107 and we're able to spray pesticides or chemicals in the air by drone. Um, we're still an um, industry member with the FAST program. There's still 36 of us in the country. We were the first drone company to be able to, to do that. Uh, my background in particular is I, I used to be a software architect, so I can get really technical and, and talk about that. But my dad growing up was, was always hands-on. So that's where my construction background comes in and, and how I'm able to have these conversations with you all. I'm also a certified project manager. I've traveled the world and also traveled the country. So uh, when you guys ask questions, hopefully I'll be able to answer, answer you on what it's like and what people are doing in other areas of the country. So as a result of a lot of the things that, that I do, I, I now sit on advisory boards for the country. And I'm not gonna uh, go through this in, in granular detail. I'm actually just gonna show you what I'm involved in. The reason why this stuff is important is because it helps me get a pulse on the industry and make the right decisions and recommendations for you all. A lot of people ask me that question though, like Dave, why are you involved in so much? And, and the reason being is just as I said, so, so I can figure out what the roadmap is. 
And, you know, we're, as, as you guys are trying to start up your company and you're trying to involve the drones, there's a lot of things that have yet to been decided. Like, where exactly do you start? What type of equipment do you get? What regulations do you have to get involved in to fly commercially? What are the rules that I need to follow locally in my area? What's the new standard that's coming out and how do I follow it? And you got to do all that besides figuring out how to grow your company. So this is where I'm hoping that I'm able to share with some information to help you guys out. This isn't my first time in front of you guys. Uh, that YouTube video we talked about, you'll see me, I, I visited the House of Horrors. And I'll tell you, it's really an awesome place over there in Boulder. And I got a chance to also uh, sit down with uh, Evan Elliott who is a home inspector who came to visit us. And um, he's presently using drones out there and, and we, we shared ideas. So this is a, um, a video that's available on the internet if you guys are interested. I uh, shared with you the film date and the published date. You can find it um, by searching for home inspectors or drones and home inspectors or internationally home inspectors. It'll come right up. So let's jump into it. I know a lot of you guys are, are used to using, um, you know, doing your home inspections and, and what you know is visual inspection on the air, I mean, on the ground, what you see with your eye and what you see with thermal. I'm not gonna talk about how to fly a drone inside, even though there are some out there that do that. I just wanna focus on the exterior inspections portions. So when we're looking at it, you know, these are all areas where you can use a drone. We can use a drone on, on the roof. Take a look at um, debris, vegetation, mold. We can look for blistering. We can look for any missing shingles, worn or missing or damaging pieces, broken slates, anything out of position. Great ability for us to use a drone. Next, we have the chimney, the vents, the flashing. You know, we want to make sure it's clear of obstructions, the metal flashing, no visible damage, no, no uh, chips on, on the brick, maybe the mortar joints. We want to make sure that those aren't worn. All this is stuff that we can use a drone for. The soffit. So we can check and make sure it's free of rot, debris. There's no peeling of paint or water stains. We can check the trim board, make sure that there's nice um, corners. Look for some wood sagging or, or, or any rotten pieces. One of the interesting thing about using a drone is if you actually turn on a thermal imager, you can see what's happening behind the scenes. So for example, I can, I can look at a shingle and I can see if there's water damage or if there's a leak beneath it. And that allows you to not only um, locate a problem, but also figure out how to fix it and make that recommendation to the customer. We also um, want to look for overhead hazards when, when we're in this area. So, you know, I, I marked number four. I know it's a little out of order, but it, but it is kind of important when you start flying around the building because a lot of people don't realize that, you know, trees are pretty common near houses. So, you know, when we're looking at overhead hang, uh, um, structures, it, it's important because that also carries with it a tree branch that could fall on the roof or maybe a power line or a telephone line that's in the way, maybe something that's connected or not disconnected. So I wanted to add that into this picture. 
You also can look at uh, exterior walls and sliding. Any cracks, buckling, blistering. You guys know this better than I do. I'm just trying to illustrate the areas which, which this comes into play. Next, we got our gutters and downspouts. The cool thing about a drone is you can actually, with a thermal imager, see if a downspout is clogged. And um, th those are the things that, you know, help make a difference because maybe that downspout is not, you know, defective or maybe there's something um, not really blocking it up that that's serious. Maybe it's just debris. You'll see that with the drone. You'll also be able to see corrosion, cracks, leaks. Um, if there's, if the water is getting far enough away from the house, um, you know, there's things that you can test when you're able to do it. I mean, able to see it. And the next is windows and doors. Now, when we start getting into the windows area, let's back up for a second. We start looking at windows. Obviously, some of this stuff is on, on the first floor, much as the doors as well. But I wanted to show it to you because, you know, some, some people have balconies. Some people have decks on second floors um, or, or access points, which you can't get to. And these are all valuable areas where you can have a drone. A lot of people go and say, well, why am I using it? Well, it's faster, less physical. It's not gonna wear you out, less intrusive. So, you know, when you're going over, um, you're, you're walking on a shingle or you're walking on a roof that can't be walked on such as slate or copper or some of the ones you gotta be more sensitive about, you know, you're, you're able to still get to the areas you wanna have with a different point of view. But the most important reason why a lot of people choose drones is safety. Now, I watch the InterNACHI forum. I, I am an InterNACHI member. Um, and the forums that I watch on Facebook, as, as well as the Facebook groups, make a lot of jokes about ladders. But the reality is, that's one of the biggest reasons why you want to use a drone. Because using, uh, using a ladder creates a ridiculous amount of risk. Some of the common ladder injuries that, are, that you can potentially face is losing your balance and falling. And you could do that by failing, like if you fail to set the ladder up properly, if you're overreaching for something you can't get to, or if you simply just misstep the area. Now, we might as well go into the, the regular ladder rule that, you know, we, whenever we're climbing, we need three points of contact to make it up there. But, you know, with the drone, both our feet are on the ground. So I'm just showing you the statistics that are right off of the InterNACHI web, website. Nick wrote a good article and, and I just extracted a portion of it. I guess the most important thing that I see on there is, is the second bullet point, which says most ladder deaths are for falls 10 feet or less. So that's an excellent reason to start thinking about using a drone. Drones are gonna give us that aerial point of view and provide us the ability of zooming in and seeing the damage without us having to step on the roof or lift up that ladder or, or climb up that ladder. Now, now I fully understand that what you guys do 
is important stuff. So sometimes you have to get on that roof. And what I'm telling you is not that you can't do that, but you have the decision to make before always having to assume that risk. So I wanna be clear on that because there is value in, in physically touching something and physically seeing something or getting up close beyond just snapping a picture. And I'm not trying to um, discredit the, the, the value of that. There's other things you can see when you're trying to um, do your inspection is, you know, you can, you can look at other things from a bird's eye view. So here's, you know, a solar panel. Now, I don't have a picture, but I could just as easily have turned on a thermal imager and seen which panels are um, working and which ones are. Another common thing that you'll see drones being used for is taking a look at the overall landscape. Now, keep in mind, any one of these pictures that you have could be included in your report. And that's before you start involving things like artificial intelligence, which have the ability of literally measuring the roof for you. So these are all the reasons why people choose roofs, I mean, choose drones instead of climbing on the roofs and seeing what they're, and, and, and risking falling. Sometimes you just can't get up there. Sometimes you can't just do um, what you need to do safely. So all this is important for you guys to take a look at. That's a great point, Dave. I mean, there's always risk in everything, right? But this is really risky. Getting on a ladder, using a ladder at any height is really risky. I had a buddy, home inspector, Pennsylvania, fell off the second rung and broke his ankle, a second rung, you know? And he was a roofer for all of his life using a, a, a ladder. And so I, I, I always teach about the, the cost of mitigating the risk. What is the cost of mitigating the risk? Not, not taking it, but how do you mitigate? How do you reduce it? And so, you know, being trained and certified and buying a drone, um, you know, we can talk about costs later, but it's certainly worth the cost to mitigate this incredible risk. Absolutely. I mean, I can I can add on to your story as well. I had a friend who was a commercial roofer and he fell off a one story warehouse roof, broke his neck and he's now paralyzed. Hmm. So, you know, you don't have to fall from a high from a high distance to really hurt yourself. Hey, I wanted to add a couple more things. Uh, maybe you want to add it to the slides. So there's outbuildings that home inspectors inspect, and sometimes we can't even find them because they're so far away, like you know, an acre away. Uh, fences and even property lines could be um, uh, looked at and understood a little bit better with the drone aerial view. And also septic systems. When they fail, they go green. And when you're on the ground, you really can't tell how green that failed septic field is because there's a effluent coming to the surface and the grass turns greener. But with an aerial view, you can really pop that up and, and see. So there's a few other things that you may wanna add to your, add to your slides there, Dave. <laughs> that's, that's really interesting about the, um, the, the, the extra greenage caused from the septic system. Yeah. Not only if, you know, there, there's even sensors on the drones 
hmm. that you can modify. Like there's something called NDVI, which measures the um, chlorophyll reflection on vegetation. Ah. And it will detect, just like uh, you're saying, um, <laughs> some of the things like that. I mean, I, I'll, I'll, on a side note, just to explain the power of a drone, um, a couple weeks ago, I was at um, a research facility where they were um, studying the impacts of what happens when bodies decompose. Now, this is in the ground, and the drone was able to see it um, from the decomposition. So, so, you know, just think of all the different things that, you know, changes the temperature, yep. um, changes of moisture, you know, the, the, the things that are the telltale signs for home inspectors to troubleshoot. And if a drone is capable of seeing a decomposing um, body in the ground, hmm. it definitely can see what you need it to see, um, you know, around the house. Hmm. Um, you know, we have um, the building that our office is in is it's a it's it's a steel frame structure which um inside you have the wood uh two by fours and it's framed out like normal well i can stand outside and in the right conditions i can see through the metal and i can see the studs um i've 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 seen it before with stucco that's not a problem at all but you know, it's it, it's it's amazing what you can see with the drone under the right conditions and the right environment. And you guys have the experience from Internachi where where they're telling you, hey, this is what works, this doesn't work. Um, all you're doing with the drone is changing your vantage point. You're going to use the same skills, the same technique that you're learning through the through through the membership. Right. So. So. I mean, we, we Ben and I were already just not even knowing, just having this conversation of like, you know, why why to have a drone or just why to consider everything else, and and really what it comes down to is is, is safety. But you know, a lot of quick people ask to say, well, 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 how come everybody doesn't own drones? You know, even though it's more efficient, even though you know it adds accessibility. And even though that, you know, you as a home inspector can add extra add-ons and capabilities to your, your offerings to um, make yourself more marketable and more valuable. Well, the reason is because of regulations and because of airspace. Believe it or not, the most common group of questions that people fail on their Part 107 test is about airspace. And the reason why is because we can look at these pretty pictures, and these graphics, which show us, um, you know, what we're supposed to look, look at. But the reality is we don't have most um, remote pilot drone operators don't have the understanding of what true airspace is. The you know, the, the federal rules apply to, to, national, to the national aviation airspace system. There's no such thing 
as unregulated airspace. Drone operators need to be familiar with the difference between controlled and uncontrolled airspace and where you can fly. Controlled airspace is easy. In most situations, we know that it's around airports and that certain altitudes where air traffic controllers are you know, communicating with traffic. We're not gonna operate above 400 feet. So some of that stuff really goes you know, in one ear and out the other. But other airspace has to be considered because there's people coming into your, your, your flight area. And we'll go over that later. We'll also go over the fact that, again, I'm looking at this pretty graphic, but this is really what airspace looks like. So, you know, because I'm over here in New Jersey and, and I had a fancy uh, 3D map, it kind of shows you, you know, what it looks like. When you look at the airspace, it's complicated. New Jersey is probably one of the most busiest um, air traffic areas because we are right in between air traffic from Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, Newark, JFK, and Boston. They're all going back and forth. And we're also right on the edge of presidential TFRs, which go up every other week when President Biden returns to his home in Delaware. So th these, th these are the things that, you know, all have to come and play and what you need to, need to take in consideration. I honestly could spend hours trying to explain airspace. And so could the FAA. But what the FAA has decided is that, you know, the general public and most people who are trying to fly drones, they're not going to be able to figure it out. So they want to give them the tools to help them make the right decisions and go in the step in the right direction. And the way that they've chosen to do that is through LANCE. LANCE stands for a low altitude authorization and notification capability. It's essentially a collaboration between FAA and private business. It will allow you to get authorization to fly in, in the airspace, and it'll give you in most situations, automatic, air, automatic approval to fly at or below 400 feet under the right conditions. Now I'll let you guys in on, on a little secret or a little something that's coming down the road given that I'm involved in it, you're gonna have to be, um, maintain a level of situational awareness. So there's gonna be other tools out there to help you understand in, in a year or two from now, what the sensitive areas are. It may not have to do with air traffic. So it's always important, you know, just like you set your ladder up properly, just like you, you know, make sure, you know, you're properly prepared when, when you're going in front of a customer. When you launch a drone, you need to be properly prepared as well. So we're getting there. And, and that's an exciting thing. Let me explain a little bit more of how Lance works, though. Basically, what happens is when you're out in the field, you go and, and you use your mobile phone 
you identify the location where you're at and through the service providers, it, it reaches out to the FAA, it reads what's called a facility map, grabs the information, if it meets certain qualifications and standards, it then gives text, sends you approval, in most cases through a text message, and it will also notify FAA air traffic control. All behind the scenes to you. There's apps out there which are already um, approved providers for automatic authorization. Kitty Hawk, UA Sidekick, Airspace Link, Skywood, and AirMap automatically can give you that, that, that approval. And right there in the center is the FAA's Before You Fly app, which is a free app which allows you to be able to see if you're allowed to be in an area or if there's certain issues there. So just as important as you having a drone and knowing the laws and reading about um, everything else, uh, weather, airspace, notams, whatnot, get that before you fly out. Take a look at it and make sure that you, um, you know before you fly. So since we're talking Aeronachi, it might well make sense for us to talk about Boulder. <laughs> uh, we all know the map or what we're all familiar with of what it looks like when we, when we go on a Google. And I talked to you before about what the airspace map looks like and why some find it confusing. So if we translate that information through the Lance authorization, now it's a little bit easier to read. We can see, um, you know, the red area on the left is uh, protected wildlife reservations or it looks like a, sorry, national park. So there are certain rules about flying in those areas. You see uh, circle grids, which are around airports. You see the one around Denver the green circles, which are a bit smaller. Typically that's prisons or some government buildings or sensitive areas. And when you start dialing in to um, a facility map, you'll be able to see, uh, I don't know if I actually got it. I apologize to you guys. It's actually a grid pattern. So if we open up each one of those grids, what are those squares there? You're gonna see a number. And that number is gonna be zero, 100, 200, 300, or 400. That is the uh, ceiling that you're allowed to fly in that specific grid. So when you're filing for a Lance authorization, stay below that ceiling or else you're gonna get automatically denied. Um, I'm, I'm showing you the air map um, interface just because it was it's a little bit more intuitive and I like that it has a 3D map on the side. Uh, coincidentally, my company, we use uh, ForeFlight for situational awareness, which gives us our manned aviation uh, map. We do, sometimes we'll look at air map, sometimes we'll look at Kitty Hawk, um, but generally those are the two that we use ourselves. So what I'm showing you here is that I'm going to fly a property 
Um, it looks like uh, right on Grove Street is where that circle is. I highlighted the area. I've marked my altitude as 200 feet. You'll notice there's a 3D map that kind of gives me a little bit of an idea of where I'm at. I, note, I, I can notate my date and time, the duration I want to fly, and, and I'm providing additional pilot information. The app that you're looking at or the interfaces is what you see on a web browser. It's slightly different on a phone, obviously because of format, but it's all just the same. And at the end of the day, when everything's done, you're going to get an approval. And that's the easiest way to navigate airspace. It's all about controlling risk and trying to figure out what is acceptable. The FAA is all about safety, just like InterNACHI is. You need to determine, you know, when to take that drone out or maybe when to take that ladder or maybe what day you know to, to operate at, maybe you have to come back. There's so many different scenarios and we're about to go over those. And the reason why risk is so important is because it falls into the ability of flying over people as well as privacy issues and concerns, flying at night and everything else. If, you're, if an operation is too risky or if different things start happening, maybe you shouldn't be doing that. Most people think doing a drone operation involves an orbit or something close around a house. Maybe you can um, you know, fly like two or three feet above it, or maybe even uh, 50 feet above and zoom in. But sometimes you can't look at everything up and down. Sometimes you have to come at it from an angle. And when you come at it from an angle, odds are there's a tree in the way. And after you get around the tree and you're trying to figure out how to move around it, you realize you're over the neighbor's house. Maybe you get lucky. Maybe they live far away and you're not over their yard. But remember, you're doing an orbit. You're doing, a, you know, you're doing a flight. You're trying to do an inspection. What about the house on the other side? And you know it as much as I do. They got a swimming pool. And that's going to bring a whole nother can of worms that really can make your life difficult. And using a drone is not supposed to make your life difficult. It's supposed to make it easy. So here's what we do. I've been in business for four years, over four years. And we recognized early on the importance of notification. So what you're looking at is a, uh, a copy of the backside of a postcard which is what we use. On the front side of it is a nice colorful graphic that says something about my company, um, you know, mentions my services and whatnot. Um, you know, so I can, I can use it for multiple purposes. But on this side, I'm giving notice. 
and we're, we're going to read it together because it's 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 important to see what what we're saying. This is something that you could put in a mailbox. This is something that you can put um, just on the neighboring properties. Um, it, it's very important. Please take notice that our company will be conducting a safe flight operation in your area. We are notifying you as a courtesy, though we are not required to do so. Now we say that because we're trying to be nice. We're trying to extend that hand. We're not doing it to be confrontational, to be arrogant or cocky. That's where the problems start. So it goes on. We choose to provide notification to introduce ourselves to you, to request that you extend to us the courtesy of not interrupting us while we are flying and remain clear of our aircraft while we are in flight. We invite you to watch us, ask questions, or contract our services before or after our work is complete. It's inviting. It's, you know, making a simple ask. And it, it's, 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 it, there's nothing confrontational about this. And it goes on. For liability reasons, our work is complete when our aircraft is safely secured. Thank you for your cooperation. We do apologize for the informality of this notice. However, I feel it's more important to take to make you aware than to surprise you. <laughs> As pilots, so, so here's where, you know, it's a little bit different for us. As pilots of drones and airplanes, we try our best to do all that we can to ensure both a safe and successful flight. We maintain commercial insurance. We have the ability of safely executing missions. Feel free to visit our website and learn more about us. Definitely share your thoughts so we can serve you better. So you could put in there, I'm a, you know, I'm a licensed InterNACI member. I am a certified home instructor. I have this credential. I have this credential. Because remember, this isn't just a notice, it's also a marketing tool. So it works both ways. And we close it out real simply. We look forward to an ongoing business relationship in this area and within the community. Now, I can tell you that when I show this to the FAA, they love it. When I show it to customers, they love it. When I show it to neighbors, sometimes it results in more business. And when a police officer wants to ask a question and he's responding and I share this with them, most of the times they say, thank you. So this isn't a requirement anywhere written in law. This is what we do. Um, it may be something that you should consider as well because it will make your life easier. It's a great idea. Looks really good. So, so let's talk again about that house, the one that we're flying over. And the reason why this stuff is important is because remember, eventually, you know, maybe in some shape or form, we're flying over people, we're flying over um, other personal property. There's there's different things at stake. There's environmental factors too as well as things that we can't control, which the FAA would define as hazards. Much like a, um, a pool of water that's, you know, 
in an area that you're inspecting that you could slip on, you could just as easily have a helicopter come into your airspace. Could also have a flock of birds. You may get distracted by the person walking behind you. Maybe they're gonna stop and ask you questions. If you're standing in the road, be careful of cars. We like to think that when we do an inspection or we're doing something, that we're gonna be in an ideal scenario and it's gonna work perfectly every single time. The world's not like that. And some people can get stressed out or uncomfortable by it. So what we do is we get in a habit of asking ourselves questions. Questions that could just help us make the right decisions. So here are the ones that I would recommend for InterNACHI. Some of them are ones that are pretty generic and the ones that I use myself. The first one is, why am I here? The reason why this is so critical is because you're working around property. You're working around someone's um, personal property and, and everything else. Obviously that customer called you, you're gonna have potentially a contract we also do what's called property consent forms. And the property consent form is used because sometimes maybe a realtor wants to send you over or someone else wants to send you and the homeowner is not there when you show up. So now when you're questioned or someone actually um, comes up to you and, and it says, hey, why are you here? You can show them. And this goes a little bit further. So, I mean, this is my personal, what we use for our business and it has a generic sense, but I'm going to read to you just um, the paragraph around authorization. Um, and, and this is something that the customer looks at and it also protects you. I understand that the aerial operation may be restricted, delayed, altered, or prevented by any condition below. FAA regulations, weather conditions, safety considerations by request of any authorized security personnel, law enforcement personnel, first responders, by request of any business owner, if it involves an interruption of business, or by request of an adjoining, of an adjoining neighbor of an involved property, if such requests involve safety, security, or privacy. It's not this isn't saying that you cancel an operation, but this gives you the option of having control in the event the customer is not there or the person who's rushing you to get the job done. So it, you don't have to use this yourself. This is what we use. And obviously you have a signed contract. The next question you ask yourself is, do I have something specific I'm looking for? Because whatever you're looking for, is gonna determine your direction of flight and what you're doing. You also have to think to yourself, what are the obstacles or hazards that can cause problems to me? That's trees, telephone poles, lines, hanging wires, anything that the drone cannot detect by collision avoidance in some situations. Make, make yourself know, you know, aware of it before, before flying. And we talked about, you know, night operations or different, you know, doing solar things. 
when is the best time to fly this mission always should be thought about. If you're doing a thermal operation overcast, you, 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 you want overcast weather, you want certain conditions. Do you have enough sunlight if you're doing a, a different sort of inspection? Are you looking for heat loss? What, what are you doing? Maybe you're going to stand in the street because you can't uh, be able to see the drone from a certain vantage point. You don't want to be there during rush hour. What is the weather like? So this is an, a, a very appropriate question for InterNACHI members because you guys are all over the world. It's not just what's happening in Boulder. It's what's happening in New Jersey, Arizona, California, um, New York. Um, I, but Ben, I believe you have members in, in, in other countries as well. Yep, all over the world. And in Boulder, uh, there could be a, a 60 mile an hour gust of wind at no notice. Right, so, so, so what you have is what's called microclimates or climates that start happening in the areas you're in. And believe it or not, you can this all impacts the performance of a drone and what can happen, as well as like your safety on the job. So always look at the weather. There's two apps you can get on your phone, which are free. One's called UAV Forecast. The other one's called Hover. Um, they can give you at least some information to help you determine you know, make the right decision, plan ahead. The next question is, where, where will I stand so people can see me? This is important because, you know, if someone has a question or concern, they're going to, you know, if they see a drone flying overhead and they have a question, they're, they're, they're going to try to see who's flying it. Wear a vest. If, you know, if your uniform includes, um, you know, an insignia or a name tag, do that. You look more professional. Wear a hard hat if you're in, you know, a construction environment. If there's tall grass or there's sand or there's, you know, um, um, debris below you, put down a landing pad. You know, it's, it, it's going to help you um, be more professional and, and, and be safer in your operation. Which leads to the next question. Where will I land my drone in the event of emergency? Always have a backup plan. Even if that backup plan is 10 or 15 feet away from you, just know that, okay, oh, I, I can put it down over there if there's an issue. Some of the things that happen that could um, disrupt your landing areas Let's say you put your um, your your landing zone in the street. Someone um, someone complains, or the traffic gets heavy. Or let's say you you're launching from the sidewalk, and um, you know a mother and her child are are um, are walking, and they think it's really cool to stop and watch you. You can't. You could just as easily say, "Ma'am, can you please move somewhere else?" But now you're taking your focus away from the drone. Now you're distracting yourself. And let's face it, if you secured your landing area properly, they wouldn't have walked in it. So just choose another landing site. Avoid that confrontation, keep it friendly. Heck, hand her a business card when you're done. Next question is, how will I show this to my client? This is 
an interesting question, which most people won't have to deal with, but you guys will. Sometimes that customer wants to look over your shoulder. Sometimes you want to show them something. Some things, so, you know, think about that before your flight operation and not during. You know, when someone's, when you're trying to manipulate the controls of an aircraft and someone sticks their finger over your hand and blocks your view, um, that can not only get annoying, but it could cause an accident. So, you know, what we do is I can live stream to a tablet so the customer can walk around. Or maybe if I have a partner who's also doing an inspecting, he could see what I can see. You could also just leave it on an SD card, but don't forget to bring a computer so you can show it to the customer. And if you're going to include it into a report, you know, just keep in mind, you know, if, how is it getting there? What time, when is my deliverable due? Probably the most important thing is who else is watching? make no mistake about it it's not just your customer and it, it's not because someone's trying to um, cause you problems it's not because anyone's out to get you people are just naturally curious and the sound of a drone sounds much like a um, a swarm of bees it'll spook animals i've seen horses flip over carriages some dogs will like it, some dogs won't. Some people who are allergic here are, are, are hypersensitive to the sound. Just people are curious. So keep that in mind when, when whenever you're flying a drone and whenever you're preparing, because this this falls into risk and it all matters. Never forget who is watching you. And then decide to yourself, have I mitigated as much risk as possible to prevent damaging or crashing my drone, causing an accident? Because when, when, when we talk about privacy, when we talk about um, people complaining, it, it's, it's all about their comfort level. But it starts with your comfort level, too. Ask yourself the question, who should I notify about this flight operation? You have the neighbors. Take the time to notify them through that card. Or you see them standing outside before the drone's in the air. Go over and just talk to them. Neighbors talk. So why don't you talk to them as well? Now, another thing that we do is we also notify the local police department. Now, there's different ways you can go about doing this. Um, and we'll address that in, in, in a moment. When Ben and I made, made the video along with Evan, um, I, I shared the way that my business goes and, and notifies law enforcement. And there was a, 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 a post that came back that, that read as follows. I'm concerned about the amount of part 107 operator calls to police, notifying them that they will be flying their drones. All we need is to obtain Lance clearance and we are good to go. 
Well, that's, that's correct from an airspace standpoint. That doesn't necessarily help when someone is scared or concerned. So we notify law enforcement to make sure that we're safe and to make sure that they can allocate resources properly. Someone calls up, it, 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 but before I launch my drone, if I call up and say, hi, my name is Dave Krause. I'm the co-owner of Influential Drones. I'm going to do a, an inspection right here at InterNACHI headquarters in Boulder, Colorado. I have notified local, uh, um, the, the neighboring business owners. I do have a property consent form. I'm gonna put my drone in the air for about a half hour and look at the roof. Um, would you like me to notify you when I'm done? They're gonna tell you yes, no, um, maybe they won't care. But guess what? If someone goes and makes that phone call and says, oh, I got a report of a drone in the area, they're going to say, oh, it's Dave Krause. He's standing there with Ben. They're, they're looking at the building at InterNACHI. No worries. And everything works out nicely. It also keeps you safe. You know, it's illegal to shoot a drone down. It's considered an aircraft by the FAA. But some people are scared and they do feel that they have a right to protect their home. And you know, there, there, there's laws that are in place in, in, in different states from open carry to concealed, uh, concealed carry to um, just, just everything else. And with the world that we live in, why take the risk? You're there to do a job and that's to help a homeowner. You want to smile and have fun on your job because you know you love what you do and heck you get to fly drones. You don't need to be dealing with some of the other problems. So that's why we do what we do. And uh, you guys can decide what's, what's, what's best, but that's how we operate. So the flying over people rule I'll talk about briefly, um, but I think it's it's best if if we do that instead of the slide. I'll I'll, I'll do it in person. So so I'll close this presentation out by sharing with you um, the the closer of the slide. You're look you have my contact information there. If you have any questions, that's the office number. There's the email address and the web address. Um, I also would like to encourage you guys to look at the FAAsafety.gov website. The mission of the FAST team is to lower the nation's accident rate by conveying safety principles and practices through training, outreach, and education. That's what I'm a volunteer for, and that's what I'm also an industry member for. So I travel the country promoting this, and you can learn more for free, just by creating an account on this FAAsafety.gov account. You're going to need it when it comes time to renew your recurrency, which isn't going to cost anything, but it has to happen online. The other benefit of having it is that uh, when you register on FAAsafety.gov, the FAA can send you educational uh, email blasts and provide you different notification to say, hey, listen, uh, um, there's a webinar taking place in, uh, you know, in, in your area and you're welcome to attend. 
And, and, and these are the ways that you can learn more about aviation. In closing, you have those two international, uh, or those two URLs at the bottom, which is the international uh, offers, which uh, from an influential drone standpoint, we've we made that available to you guys. Geez, about it's been about two years now, and uh, we, we get a lot of phone calls about it, and 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 I update that that website fairly frequently. And it'll show you like, you know, tips of, of, of what drones home inspectors could, could be looking for. What are the things that we have access to that we could help you get? Flashlights, uh, vests or whatever to, to build your program. There's also tips in there. And, you know, the other, the other link there is a checklist. So uh, every year the FAA has Drone Safety Week. And uh, last year for Drone Safety Week, we released a free pre and post flight checklist just 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 a regular thing that you go through before you put the drone in the air and we've gotten so many inquiries for it we just left it up so um, that's a resource for you guys to get started as well so before i get into flights over people or anything else uh, ben, do you, how, how do you how, how how do you feel about taking questions or um, how are we looking on time? Looking good on time, and we do have a a, a handful of questions. But okay. I, it would be great if you put that um, slide up again for your contact information. And okay. I'd like to tell everyone if it's okay um, uh, your email address or website because those URLs, especially to the checklist, was really long. And folks uh, listening to this on a podcast right now. We'll probably want, uh, you can't see the URLs. So um, Dave's email is dave at influentialdrones.com. You can email him for more information and for that checklist and for those videos and for the offer that Dave mentioned. Yeah, so, and, and actually the the link to the exclusive InterNACI offer is also backlinked on InterNACI's website as well. Yep. So, uh, oh, ready for a question? Sure. Lawrence from Norman, Oklahoma says, please touch on studying for and taking the 107 exam. Thanks. Okay. Uh, and you said his name was Lawrence? Yep. From Oklahoma. All right. Lawrence, first of all, nice to meet you and thanks for listening. Um, you know, the, the, the best way to prepare yourself for the part 107 test is to uh, visit the FAA website. It's, it would be uh, faa.gov backslash UAS and uh, follow the links on there and you're going to see there's there's a knowledge test and, and whatnot, which you could just, you know, flip through and get your book. Um, interestingly, Ben and I were talking prior to this call because he wants to um, give you guys some some tools, you know, to just, just get started as well. So I, I would I would look to the InterNACI website as well. And, and, and get some of those boilerplates. There, there are companies out there that are willing to you know, teach you part 107 and help you pass your test. Whether you do that in person, whether you do that virtually online, or um, you do something as like um, um, study as you go, it's called a CBT. Those are options as well. And lastly, you got the community colleges. Um, everybody is trying to 
um, promote STEM and aviation right now for um, upcoming youth, take a look at their workforce development um, offerings and see if there's something out there that would help you. Yeah. yeah. Doug asked a similar question. Uh, what are the clear steps on getting a Part 107 certificate? And he asked, what about remote ID requirements? Ooh, okay. So the clear steps on um, getting a remote ID certificate is first you're going to have to uh, basically study. Then you're going to call a company called PSI, which uh, I'll actually give you their phone number in one quick second. I'll pull it up. PSI is the scheduling company that's going to allow you to um, schedule and take your test. When you're ready after studying, you're going to call their number and it's 844-704-1487. And you're going to tell them that you want to take the part 107 initial. Um, they're going to ask you for your, you know, a location where you're located at. Um, if there's a, if you happen to know an area near you, like a FAA testing center, which is generally on an airport, you can tell them, but otherwise just give them your, your zip code and they'll tell you which one's near to you. And they'll tell you the available date. You're going to pay on, buy the credit card and they're going to schedule you um, to go. The recurrency exam now, um, I, I don't want to speak out of turn here because there's been some changes, but the recurrency exam used to be 150 questions and you had two hours to go through it. Um, for some reason, as I'm saying that, that doesn't sound right. Maybe it was four hours, but um, I, I apologize on, on what that is. It, it, it's changed. But what it is, is it's, it's, it's um, you're, you're going to get a course book. And you're basically going to sit in front of a computer and answer questions. You're going to be allowed to bring a number two pencil and a calculator. And you're not allowed to take notes or, you know, you know, anything else that is um, for those, you know, of those questions. You're going to be presented the questions at random and you have to score a 70%. After you get, uh, assuming you pass, which, um, you know, a, a lot of people do. And again, if you don't, it's probably because airspace. So study airspace before taking the test. Save that hundred, you know, save that money, you know, pass the first time. It's, it's, it's just, just really focus on airspace. So after you pass, you're going to register, you're going to create an account on, on a website called IACRA. It's I-A-C-R-A, it should be .FAA.gov. You're then going to um, wait three days after you take your test. And when you log back in, your, your test is going to be in there. You're going to complete the form, submit it, and you're going to get a plastic card in the mail. I'm going to say 30 days. The reason why I'm saying 30 days is because um, you just never know how long it's going to take. They're going to give you a paper certificate until then. And that's what you're going to walk around with to be legal. Now, there's one other thing to be legal when you're flying a drone. And that is you have to register the aircraft 
when you register an aircraft, I know that's not part of the question, but it's um, it's it's important because there's a there's a huge fine if you don't do it. It costs um, you want to go to FAA Drone Zone, or I'm sorry, FAA uh, Drone Zone and you're going to pay a five dollar registration fee for that. Now um, on to your next question, which is road ID requirements. Um, the as many of you know, remote ID is 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 a hot topic, and there presently actually even is a lawsuit going on right now, where an individual is uh, suing the FAA. So um, the, the the basic requirement is that you're going to have to broadcast. How that's going to happen is really up to the manufacturer or the third party provider, who is um, who develops, let's say, a module that you're going to put on um, uh, a non-compatible drone. When I mean non-compatible, I mean, let's say you bought it before the rollout of remote ID. You just got to put that on the drone and, and, and make sure that your aircraft is properly registering and you're in compliance. Um, it's not in anybody's best interest to go against remote ID. It needs to happen. And uh, since this uh, recording, since this video is getting recorded, I'm sure I'll get messages about it, but it needs to happen. It needs to happen because that's how uh, package delivery happens. That's how other uh, advances in, in aviation happen. Uh, first, we need to secure the airspace and we need to see who's who's in the air. So, um, you know, I, I, I can, I'm, I'm on a task group for notify and fly, uh, I can really talk about this as much as airspace, but uh, hopefully, Doug, that answers your question and uh, we'll we'll go to the next one. I think so. Uh, I opened up my Before You Fly uh, app and it looks just like that map that you had and it looks like I'm green to go. There you go. Uh, and then also, I bought this little, I know you, you didn't in your presentation talk about specific drones, but we have a question from uh, mm, Lawrence about a, a specific drone. There's my registration number okay. of my little drone. This guy's 249 grams, which is below the 250 uh, gram limit there. Yeah, that's, so a Mavic, that's a Mavic Mini 1, I believe, right? Yeah, yep. And it's a little mini fella, and it's, it's uh, very lightweight, holds hold it in your palm. That's a wonderful so, drone. Yep. Uh, so uh, Lawrence does ask about your opinion of a particular drone. Uh, there's one, I guess, called the Parrot Anafi. Never heard of it, but um, you probably don't give specific recommendations. Uh, not on a webinar. Uh, okay. Basically, what the reason being uh, is is because I need to kind of know more about um, what you, how you plan on using it, what the environment is, where you're at and, and, and whatnot. Um, there's, there's, there's many great, great drones out on the market yeah. and each one has, um, a set purpose. I, I don't believe there's, there's, there's a one drone for everybody. Um, I think so, one of the most important part points is that no matter what drone you get, I would say just as an, uh, you know, I just wanted to try to see what's going on. Now, drones now are have 4K, 4K images and 4K video. Mm -hmm. So you can zoom in. Uh, you can do some crazy things like orbiting a, a tree or something like that. So, um, you know, it's no longer these blurry uh, pictures anymore. I mean, it's 4K. That's really good. For, and it's really good for home inspectors who don't want to get really close to a roof, but want to zoom in and see what they need to see. 
Right. You can zoom in on your computer when it's 4K. Uh, some of the drones nowadays also have zoom lenses on them themselves. Yep. Um, so David, David says something about, I bought a P4P to do orbitals, which is great because it gave me a quick overview of angles, added a new level of contacts with better perspectives, allowing me to decide if I need a closer look. Now I can't do that because of the new restrictions. Uh, Dave, if you could clarify that. Yeah. Um, I'm not really too sure what the new restrictions are. So yeah. the, the Phantom 4 Pro, you didn't write version two, which means that that's the previous version and maybe there's a software restriction and that's a discontinued model, which would mean perhaps the restriction you're talking about is software. Hmm. Um, or maybe you're just talking about just, just changing law. If you can uh, do some clarity or, you know what, better yet, why don't you um, give my office a call and I'll, I can talk you through it and, and answer that question for you. David also asks, is there anything like Lance in Canada? Ooh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I believe there is. Um, I also have a license to fly in France because I did a project out there and, and they do have something similar there. Um, you would have to look at the, uh, go to the website for the Civil Aviation Authority in Canada and uh, you can just Google it and see if there's anything in there relevant to drones and it should give you uh, some guidance. Yeah, last time I looked, it was last year about the EU countries about, um, it's similar. If you're flying for fun, you know, there's some restrictions. Uh, but if you're flying for commercial purposes, it's regulated. Um, let's see. Lawrence asks, can we use your neighbor notification verbiage? That's why I put it there. <laughs> Nancy asks, would you register a drone prior to passing part 107? Yes, um, I would. Uh, and, and I would, I would intentionally, if I know I'm going to use it for commercial purposes, um, I would register it as a part 107 commercial aircraft, even if I haven't obtained my 107 certificate, uh, knowing that that's the route I'm going to go. And it's only, I mean, you'll, you'll save $5. Yeah. So, I, reg I registered mine just for fun. Yeah. Just to go through the process. It's five bucks. Yeah, it, it's $5 either way, but it's, yeah. it's, you choose recreational purposes. Yep. or commercial yeah um, and that's that's what i would do it's a great recommendation that you had uh, go to a community college or a workforce program to learn and become this professional uh you know i'm in colorado went skiing and i met a, a fella young fella who was teaching me how to ski and uh he got a, a drone pilot license and he wants to go out in the woods because he's a great camper and mm -hmm. run run uh utility lines uh images for, so there's a lot of opportunities out there, uh, even if, you know, not really interested in doing it for home inspections. So that's, that's the thing. I mean, you, you have a tool like to me, a drone is a tool in the toolbox. It's no different than a hammer. Um, and I use the hammer analogy because you can't make a living with a hammer by itself. <laughs> you have to tie it to a skill. So whether that skill is home inspection or it's something else that you have, um, a passion for, go for it. Yep. Dave, I want to thank you very much for taking time out. Uh, we went over, but it was really great. You got a really great presentation. You got a really, uh, a ton of knowledge and experience and credentials 
that are skyrocketing. So I really appreciate having um, uh, someone with your expertise and knowledge and willingness to share. That's the most important part. So I, I really appreciate um, what you brought for us today. Well, Ben, it was, it, it was, a, it was a privilege to talk to everyone again. And, um, thank you for the opportunity to, to present to your members. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you. Stay safe and healthy. And uh, we'll see you on the next webinar. Thanks, Dave. Take care. Bye.